The Presently podcast would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners of the land on which we record this episode. I pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging and honour all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the first people of this nation. Always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to the Presently podcast, the show to remind you it's the moments that make up who we are. Episode 2, The Moment We Took Up Space. Welcome back to Episode 2 of the Presently Podcast. It is so wonderful to be back in your ears after a couple of weeks. I am so excited to share this episode with you today because I have my first official guest. Her name is Lauren. She is a wonderful, wonderful friend of mine. And we've been wanting to chat about this particular topic for a really long time. When I first heard her speak on this issue, I was just so moved and honestly burst into tears. (laughs) because she's just so eloquent with her words and really kind to herself and accepting of where she's at, but also really encouraging and understanding. So I could not pass the opportunity to share her with all of my listeners and just felt really privileged that she came onto the show really open-minded and passionate about what I wanted to talk about And we ended up having a wonderful conversation that was just full of nurturing and care and learning and sharing. So I envisioned this episode to be something that acts as a bit of a hug to my younger self, Lauren's younger self, any young people at the moment who are moving through the world, experiencing and learning about themselves and their bodies but also a tribute to the generations that came before mine and reminding them how wonderful and beautiful and present they are. I'm so thankful to have you for this episode today. I hope that it nurtures you in the way that having this conversation with Lauren and building this episode nurtured me. Hello. Oh my gosh. Hi, Lauren. Hello. (laughs) How are you going? I'm doing really well. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) Me too. My mouth is like hurting because it's just been such a great day so far and I'm so glad we're here to have this chat. So um, something that I always ask every guest that comes onto the show before we even get to anything today in this moment right now, Lauren, presently, how are you? Oh, presently, I'm feeling energized, which is a really good feeling. Mm. It's so nice to finally be here and just so excited to do something really important. So yeah, I'm just filled with really good energy at the moment and I'm just so excited to be here with you. That's really great. Because you didn't have to say that, right? No, like, um, I had a terrible morning and I just want to like go to sleep. I would have, you know, that would have been fine too. 
So, thank you for answering my question. Of course. Just so the listeners get to kind of know how we came to be, how do we know each other? We met at university. We did. Yeah. I mean, technically, I didn't meet you in person for the first time. That I is met so you true. through a video call. That's so true. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were both running for a position on the Deacon Writers Council. That's right. Which we both got, but I just knew as soon as I saw you in that Zoom meeting that you were just so confident and so sure of yourself. Mm-hmm. And I just knew in that moment, I was like, I don't know if I will get to know this person, but I want to. And now it's been how many years? Jeez, three? Three at yeah, least. Yeah. But pulling out a cliche here, but I feel <laughs> like I've known you my whole life, which is such a beautiful feeling. That so. is the cheesiest cliche. <laughs> you are but so it's welcome. Really beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for feeling that because I feel that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, also because uh, of the show and the ethos of the show, we always talk about age straight away, getting used to this practice with our listeners of being really curious and accepting about every guest's age and their experiences in life. So I'll ask you straight up, how old are you? I am 25 years old. 25! <laughs> now, in your, from your perspective, what does being a quote-unquote young person mean to you? Oh, I think... Being a young person, it feels like having potential and you can go any which way that is accessible to you. But in it, I think there's also an element of getting a bit lost. And for some people, they can embrace that, like, I'm just floating around and we're figuring it out. And for other people, maybe like me, who get very overwhelmed by that feeling of being lost sort of in your mid-20s as a young person, especially after you've stepped out of uni, there's kind of no guidebook anymore. So Definitely. That's a really great way to describe it, I think. Mm. Um, That's definitely how I feel. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think how a lot of people feel as well. So flipping back to when you were like a really young person, like a, a kid, where did you believe you would be by the age you are now? Oh, I think I did picture myself doing more. Okay. And I don't think I would have realised how many, how much confidence you need to walk through life by this age. Definitely. I think that's something that perhaps I'm going to come across maybe in my show mm. is people feeling like, the younger versions of themselves thought they were going to be doing a million and one things and be super successful in every single avenue of, and have life, you know, by the <laughs> by the hand and really just, you know, kicking goals every single day. But we sometimes don't come out of that thinking mm. either and then we judge ourselves really hardly for um, moving through different decisions. But, yeah, cool, thank you. I, I'm really glad that we spoke about that because I love asking that question and seeing you know, what people thought that their life was going to be like mm, when they were really young. Definitely. Um, it's, every, it's so unique to everybody. Okay, so we've grounded ourselves in the present moment and we've talked about our age and how we've got here. So now we're going to be talking about our actual topic. And it, it's hard to describe what we're talking about because there's so many buzzwords and labels for things that misconstrue 
what I think is important. Mm. So I would just like to call today talking about how we've grown into our bodies and are on the continual journey of learning how to accept them. So continuing with the candidness of the show, but also painting a picture of who we are and then dismembering that, Mm -hmm. in terms of, quote unquote, I'm using massive bunny ear fingers (laughs) right now, what size clothing are you? I am an 18 to 20. Mm -hmm. Cool. So what size are you, Blair? I am between a 14 and a 16. But what do we have to say about sizing in general? That it is unbelievably stupid. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? It is a number on a tag that has been sewn onto a piece of fabric that we put on our bodies. And none of them are ever consistent. I can confirm that I have everything from an extra small to a 5X in my wardrobe because sizing is just the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Really. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, super unreliable, but then it can also be really exclusive and limiting. Absolutely. As, as what we've both found. Yeah. Just, it, it should be nothing. Yeah, it there should... is no value attached to them. Not at all. At all. Not at all. <laughs> it's, I like this top. This top's cool. I'm going to wear it. Mm. Yeah. Definitely. So in your experience recently and as a, a much younger person, how have you found shopping as an experience? Frustrating is the first word that comes to mind mm-hmm. and inconsistent because Every store is different. And yeah, to be very transparent, my body's changed a lot in the past few years. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to fit into straight size clothing. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was on the cusp of that mid size to plus size, there would be stores that would only go up to sometimes even a 12 or mm-hmm. a 14, mm-hmm. which is a joke. Mm-hmm. And I would have to walk in and walk out. Or if I was with a friend, with my sisters, people who could fit into those clothes, mm-hmm. I had to hold people's bags while they shopped. Yeah. I had to stand in the corner. I had to look at accessories because they were the only things that were accessible to me in that store. Mm-hmm. And you just felt awful about yourself because you felt like you literally were not welcome in that store. So Many, many stores I have walked in and walked out of knowing that I'm not welcome. And it really knocks your self-esteem because you just, you think, well, if you're not willing to cater to my size, then I don't feel valuable. And I have to turn around and find somewhere else. And the variations on that are very, very limited. And especially if you're on the cusp, sometimes you don't fit in straight size clothes and you don't fit in plus size clothes. Yep. There is just, Me. yeah, there is <laughs> so many places that just you can't fit into either and it's incredibly yeah. frustrating. So, yes. yeah, very heartbreaking experiences. Well, thank you for sharing that. It hurts my heart to hear you describe that and also hurts my heart because that's what a lot of what I went through as well. But to touch on a couple of the labels you just used, just to, I guess, clarify what our perspectives of those are, Mm. what's like the difference between straight size, mid size and plus size, in your opinion? Mm. 
So for me, when you're specifically shopping, Mm -hmm. I think with our silly sizes that we know are not actually that real, Mm. that, you know, I do think on the smaller end, you've got your sort of maybe like a six to a 12. And then you can kind of make your way through from like 12 to 16. And then past that, I find that you really start hitting limitations on sizes not being made. Yeah. And of course, that is absolutely me saying that those are also not real. But again, just like, you know, number on a tag, it has no value to who you are as a person. Totally agree. So now that I've had a chat about sort of what I've experienced Mm -hmm. as even a plus size person and a mid-size person in my past, Mm -hmm. what's it been like for you while you've had shopping experiences, both like when you were younger and now? Yeah. So I've been a mid-size person most of my life. That meaning I've been probably between the sizes of 12 to 16. I've been a 14 most of the time, right? So you're talking about the cusp of, yeah, those quote-unquote sizes that stores have, 14 is is right there in the middle. Mm. Um, And a 14 could be, I guess, normal size 14, a really, really small 14, or a really large 14, right? So as we said, sizing is not reliable. (laughs) (laughs) And it really, it's really hurt my self-esteem, feeling like there's particular stores that definitely cater to uh, standard sizes the most, but for whatever reason, they've decided to make that 12 to 14, but not in an accessible size that I can actually wear it. Mm. So I go into these stores and I am misled to feel like, no, I can wear these clothes and they have made it to suit my body type. And so a lot of the time I go in, I pick things off the rack, I try them in the changing room and then I leave anyway. Mm. We actually had an experience last year together where I asked you to come with me to the shops to buy a dress for my uni ball. Do you remember that? I sure do. How hard was that to, it was, for me to find a, a formal dress? It was a tough day. It, it was really tough. We were out for hours, mm-hmm. multiple, not just multiple stores, multiple shopping centres. Mm-hmm. It was really tough. Really, really tough. Unlike a lot of my other shopping experiences, I didn't feel emotionally hurt or drained because you were really encouraging and working as a team together and having that support made me feel like, no, we're going to eventually find something, which we did. But, you know, yeah, how many hours was it? It was something ridiculous, like eight hours or something. A lot of stores just not having my size at all. Mm. And although we did have such a good day together, even the store that we did end up buying your dress from, Mm. you were the top end of their size availability. Mm -hmm. I was flipping you through dresses and Mm -hmm. I knew that absolutely nothing in that store fit me. And you just, your heart breaks a little bit because there were dresses that I saw that I went, this is absolutely beautiful. I'd love to wear something like this. Oh, it only goes up to a 16 and in formal wear, 16 can be a 14 or even a 12 from the way it's structured. So yeah, it was a bit of an eye-opening day, I think, for the both of us. Me too. Me too. So I didn't feel anything but support from you on that day, but the journey itself it took to get a dress was not okay. Mm, yeah, I. you should have been able to walk into a store that you love and you should have been able to pick anything off the rack and it should have been able to fit you from accessibility. And although it was well worth it in the end because you looked beautiful, it didn't take away the fact that 
we did face so many challenges in a single day just to get a piece of clothing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In-person shopping, Mm. it just should be accessible for everyone. Yeah. It just should be. That should be the rule of thumb. No exceptions. No exceptions. talking about this episode I just took notes about things that you were saying and one of those was navigating change is what you described it as what did you mean so for me navigating change in yourself your body your mind okay as you grow up as you face more challenges as you learn to adapt Mm. that can change the way that you hold yourself so What has been your experience throughout your life with navigating your changing body? So I was very insecure as a teenager because your body can sometimes not feel like home. I think we all tried our best to sort of navigate those changes, but maybe not so gracefully. (laughs) Uh, But then you sort of move through becoming 18, becoming an adult. Mm. It's like walking on your own, being a baby adult. And I think, you know, a lot of change as you move up through those end of teenage years, Mm. you know, the way you carry yourself changes. I remember experimenting a lot with the way I looked when I was 18, 19. That was really exciting. You know, I dyed my hair and I I wore different clothes and, um, and I was very aware of my body and the way it looked to other people. And that was, that could get heavy sometimes. Mm. So yeah. And then we sort of moved through university. But around that time, my body started to really, really change. Okay. We hit the pandemic. I had some family stuff happen and I started to lean on comforts to get through and so my body became quite stagnant and I lost a lot of the activities that used to make me feel good in my body and I moved up a few sizes and that was a really really hard journey because I've been told my whole life that fat equals bad it doesn't but it's a learnt thing Fat means bad. It's a bad word. And so, you know, when you become the thing that people say is bad, it makes every day even harder because you're battling more than you were the day before. So I've had a lot of change in the past few years of my life. I've noticed the most struggle and the most challenges that I needed to overcome and I'm pretty proud that I'm here. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) For me, navigating change with my body has been pretty much a lifelong thing. Mm. So for me, it started as as a pretty little kid. So I was a like standard size, I guess, kid up until I was about eight years old. My mum got really sick and... It could be a, a total coincidence or it could be a response to trauma, perhaps, but my body really changed at that time. And I myself moved up a few sizes within a short amount of time as a really young person. Mm. And so there was this conscious change in my body that had happened that I 
fixated on ever since then. And so I would compare myself as a really young kid to other really young kids and have that discussion of why aren't they in the sizes that I'm in? Because, you know, kids grow quite fast and they move clothes sizes quite quickly. Mm. But I seem to be moving, I, I thought at the time, quicker than other children. And then it just progressed from there. So high school was an interesting time for me in terms of my body. It changed a lot. My weight progressed on the way that it was heading for the first few years of high school. And then some family stuff happened to me. And I think as a way to cope, I then turned to diet and exercise and was like had a very strict diet and did a lot of exercise. And so my weight changed and I went down about three or four sizes. And that was really impactful to the people around me. I think even more than me, because people would start complimenting me in ways that they hadn't before or noticing things about me that they hadn't before. And shopping was a lot easier because the accessibility was there and my self-esteem was better because of the environment which fosters for standard size people, not because I actually felt good within my own body. It was, you have finally, quote unquote, become the thing that our environment caters for. Therefore, you are given permission to feel good about yourself. I'm like, you just took so many words and took them out of my mouth. I know so many of those experiences. Mm. You reminded me so much of Mm. when I was about 19. For absolutely no reason at all, I started to lose weight. Completely out of my control. I didn't notice it happening. And during that time in my life, I have never had so many compliments before. Oh, Lauren, you look so good. You look so healthy. You look, oh, you are, you're looking so good. Have you been doing something lately? Has something changed? Mm. And at the time I didn't realise what it was. And now looking back at photos of me from that time, it is because people started perceiving me as thin. Mm. And it is just so crap that there are so many people who have experienced that where they only feel value once they've gone down a few dress sizes because that's when people decide to start saying something. I agree. And as a young person, you're so you're so impressionable. Yes. So that these things that people are saying to you, you believe. But what happened to me was I lost that momentum because school was so hard. My momentum slowed down. And I decided to put the weight back on. Mm. And in year 12, I was the heaviest I think I'd ever been at that time. And that was really hard because my school dresses didn't fit. I had to buy new ones and the compliments went away. And the workload was harder and the stress load was more and the self-esteem was less. And then from there, I stepped out of school going into uni feeling like I had no control over my body. And I felt really unmotivated to want to explore how I looked and what I wore and how to express myself. So it was through meeting people, meeting friends, and those people giving me permission to 
feel good about myself, however I looked and what size I was. And so that was really my saving grace. More than all the resources and the things that you surround yourself with in terms of content, it was the people. So yeah, navigating change through your body is really hard. It changes a lot throughout your life, but I don't think you realize how much it impacts how you view yourself until you look back on it. Mm. I think there's a very foreign feeling when you look at photos of yourself from when you were younger, Mm. knowing that you were in that body at some point and you've navigated those ups and downs and the feeling of, oh, people value me now because the compliments kind of reaffirm it. Yeah. Having to break out of that and be like, no, I am not more valuable because I'm thinner right now. I am not less valuable because I put on more weight right now. You you are a whole human being and you have so much to give in the world and there's so much you can do and your weight is the very, very last part of you that has nothing to do with who you are as a human being. And I think that's taken a long time for me to get there. And I'm sure there's other people who feel that way too, who are still on that journey as well of trying to even understand that your worth is not attached to a size on a dress. It is not attached to whether you gain weight or lose weight. You are so whole and you are so wonderful. So I also wanted to talk to you today about this process of unlearning that I think we're both still going through. So I think a big part of where we gained our initial ideals from is the media. So as a young person or growing up, how did the media influence you and how you viewed yourself and your body? My first thought is I grew up watching so many rom-coms. Okay. And all we ever saw was thin protagonists. Mm -hmm. I never saw myself represented. Mm. And only those thin leads were seen as desirable. I convinced myself when I was, you know, seven or eight years old that I was, well, fat and worthless because that was all that was introduced to me. That's really young. It's a lot to take on when you're that young and there's no one saying anything different. It was the 2000s. Yeah. Heroin chic was in, you know. It just there was no representation of anything other than ultra ultra thin. Kind of for me as well, all like media influences I received when I was growing up was like Disney or Disney princesses. But also the live-action Disney movies, like your Camp Rocks, Wizards of Waverly Place, all of the actors and actresses were standard-sized people. There was no actual actors hired that were mid- and plus-sized people. So I grew up being exposed to all of these rom-coms, all of these Disney films, all the time with this specific type of girl that they had hired that was never me. So everything I was I was exposed to, everything I was consuming was you're not thin enough, you're doing something wrong, you're not what we're looking for. Mm. That's how I felt. Yeah, when you're not when you have nothing you can relate to on screen, 
there's no wonder we felt invisible because we were. So I guess outside of the media influences that we both experienced, what was your experience with the actual physical people around you? Uh, As I said earlier, I have two older sisters, Mm. so I grew up in a very feminine household. Mm. And even when I was younger, I was still a few sizes bigger than both of my sisters. And so it was always just enough for me to realise that I was different. And so I'm still very lucky that I have two older sisters who look out for me and have always taken care of me and that sort of thing, but they may never understand what I went through being the youngest and being the biggest. And I think we take on so much of what is in our home environment. We take on so much of what people say. You know, little comments at home can really change the way that you feel about yourself because when you have to bottle them up for years, it's exhausting. And you know it's not coming from that person who's a generation above you. It's coming from what they've learnt and what they have not yet unlearnt. But having to take it on is really hard. So I think that's why I lent a lot on my friends. You know, I don't think I could have felt like I could stand up tall enough without the support and the reassurance of my friends and their comments about not my body but my mind, that has been so powerful. You know, side comments about my body Mm. versus active comments about my mind and who I am, it can change the way you feel, both for worse and for better. Yes. No, I I agree. I found that hard having those influences that were harsh on a certain type of body and then very complimentary and praising another type of body. Mm which for most of the time I didn't have. So those negative inputs or those negative perspectives I often had about my own body. Yeah, you've really reminded me of something as well. Mm. My heart really breaks for the generation above mine because I think they learnt that if your body was above a certain size on a tag, you were not allowed to wear a bikini. You were not allowed to be in photos. I think... You know, there's nothing that makes my soul ache more than knowing that there are photos that my mum is not in because she did not deem herself worthy enough to be in it because of the size she was at the time. And that's why I just hope that there's healing moving forward through our generations as we fight even harder to accept ourselves as we are and accept that we're allowed to participate in life and that You know, when we were younger, there were so many actions as well as words that impacted us. When we just looked at an adult who was older than us, who made themselves small because somewhere along the line, a movie or a magazine or something told them you're not worthy enough. And I I don't, I don't want anyone to feel like that, but so, so many people do. Mm. And it's awful. They do. They do. And it's just becomes a, yeah, a kind of natural, automatic, I can't do that. 
or I'm not good enough or don't be ridiculous. Or I don't want my body seen in that situation. Yeah. Don't take a photo of me. I'm too fat for that. Mm-hmm. So much of just this automatic negative closing off. And it's so hard to unlearn that. And it's very confronting when you meet people in your life that care about you and just accept you for who you are and kind of dismember all of that. And they're like, no, you're beautiful. You can wear the jeans. You're exactly who you're meant to be and how you're meant to look. So, yeah, I think the point was there's a lot of unlearning that we have both had to do already and then so much more that we still have to do. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) We have so far to go, but knowing that we've already come this far and I'm able to sit across the table with you and call myself beautiful and call you beautiful and know that we are so valuable and so wonderful and we can do so much, that feels like a monumental achievement that I feel like should not go unnoticed. A branch off of that then, in your experience, how important is representation for different types of bodies? It is incredibly powerful. I don't think I would even know who I am right now if it weren't for positive influences that came into my life in the past few years. Mm. Now, not only do we see, but we can actively seek out people who represent us Mm. and have that as a constant. My Instagram feed, I'm very excited to say, is 100% body positivity. And so I've found, you know, so much of social media now is it's just incredibly powerful. If you find yourself and create yourself a little corner of the internet that's yours, that is so, so powerful. I think I've come such a long way in just a few years just from having a little reminder every day of, no, you are beautiful. You are valuable. You have so much to give in this world. Your body is okay exactly as it is. I think I'd be a completely different person if I didn't have access to those figures that I do now. And those people who did step up, that took so much courage on their part. But in doing so, they have led a path of someone like me feeling accepted. No, I absolutely love what you said and totally agree. I feel like influencers can feel really comforting and you can feel that representation and feel really heard and acknowledged, but they can also feel far away. But within that, as I said, I have these influencers and these beautiful creators that are so kind and accepting about their bodies. And for me, I found culture and heritage something that was missing in representation when I was growing up as well. I'm first generation Australian South African. There was no South African characters or actors or anything when I was growing up. And so one of the most enlightening things I found online is when I came across a South African influencer a South African mid-size influencer. I just looked at her and I just saw myself and I'd never seen myself in any form of media 
before that point. And that was just so grounding and comforting to feel there is someone that loves their body that is being open about how they look and their culture and where they're from and they're of value and they're succeeding and people are supporting them. That had just never happened to me before and that was never the case. So I think if it's of value to you to look up uh, creators or media that have the same heritage and same background as you can be really helpful. I remember having a similar experience of when I sort of first found those couple of um, social media influencers who were mid to plus size and one of them took like a quote-unquote unflattering photo and they posted it. I, until that point, had never seen stomach rolls in a photo, like anywhere, Mm. I don't think. Mm -hmm. And she was embracing it. She said, well, this is my gorgeous, beautiful, round stomach with my rolls and my stretch marks and mm. and everything about me. And this is perfect. Mm-hmm. And I want to show you this beautiful part of me. Mm-hmm. And having lived my whole life being told, no, cover up your stomach. It's too big. Yeah. It doesn't belong. Literally for the first time seeing body parts, actual Mm. physical body parts in photos and videos Mm. was incredibly eye-opening because for the first time I went, I can see my body through this person and this person is saying it's absolutely fine and it's beautiful and that with this body in all of its scars and its stretch marks and its weight in different places and it's changing, it's so powerful it can move it can run it can dance it can sing that I never would have known about pre that sort of era of social media of really finding your little niche corner of sort of joy I think the more we unlearn Mm. the more that we can teach more positive reassuring things to younger people than us Mm. I love I hope they I hope there's it's a continual trend. I saw this post like yesterday from one of these content creators and she did like a resting her belly on the bathroom sink photo series. I saw that. Did you see that? Yes. <laughs> I loved it. There's been quite a few people that have done that. I'm just like, that is so like nurturing and beautiful. Cause it's just like, no, here's my here's just a little part of me and they're just gonna chill out and have a rest <laughs> while I I'm here. And it's like, yes. And it's just, yeah, I don't know. It was just really kind and simple changes, you know, that, that turned around from, no, this isn't okay or this isn't this isn't what we want to, oh, that's you? Wonderful. That's mm. great. So something also that was very hard and problematic at the time was looking in the mirror. I look in the mirror multiple times a day in different contexts, whether I was at school or at uni or whatever, and I would just feel so bad about myself. Like something was missing or things weren't as they should be. So that was never an enjoyable experience for me. 
But what I did find eased that pain was photos. You know, when iPod touches and iPhones came into the mix where you had these accessible cameras on you all the time, honestly, I've never really edited my photos, but you kind of self-edit with the angle that you take a photo or twisting your body in a certain way so it looks longer or thinner or taller because that's the goal, right? To be long and tall and thin. So that meant I was surrounded by these photos of myself that I took that didn't represent what I was actually looking at at the mirror. And I would post the quote-unquote desirable photos on the internet on my social media because that is what I knew everyone wanted to see. Did you have any experience with any of these things? I mean, I think you've taken the words out of my mouth, really. (laughs) So there must be a lot of people who experience this because... Yeah, we did grow up with Instagram kind of really came into itself right as about we were. (laughs) And I wasn't someone who physically went in and edited my photos either. Mm. I know people who did to make them look thinner because thinner was the ideal, which Mm -hmm. is not true. Mm -hmm. But we didn't know anything else at the time. And so, yeah, you'd pose a certain way, you'd wear certain clothes, like peplum tops to make your waist look thinner. Yes, leggings. Leggings to try and, like, suck you in. Sucks it all in. Oh, yeah, so much of, before you even got to, like, putting a filter on the photo, before you even got to taking the photo, there was so much that we did to alter the way we looked to try and change the way other people looked at us. Yes. But what is the difference between someone liking your photo that they've seen on social media and literally seeing you in the same outfit, in the same moment when the photo was taken, Mm. they're still, they're seeing your body, but in a different way, you know? And I think that's why when we look in the mirror, we were so hard on ourselves so hard because not even we looked like our photos and we, that lesson took too long to learn, to be honest. Yeah. I'm still learning that now Mm. of, no, no, people look at me all the time, but just because I posed a certain way in a photo doesn't mean I look like that. You know, I've still got a long way to go with that of accepting my body exactly as the way I see it Mm. and the way other people see it and knowing that it's totally okay. The name of this episode is the moment we took up space, right? The phrase taking up space can be used in a lot of different ways. But for you, what does it mean? For me, taking up space is having the courage to live your life and not feel as though you need to shrink yourself because someone, something told you to. Having to take it all on, challenge it all, and keep walking with your head up knowing that you have value exactly as you are and that you are allowed to participate in and love life. That is what it is to me, I think. Wow. I pretty much totally agree. I think taking up space just means feeling confident and solid in yourself and whatever room you're standing in, knowing that you are allowed to stand there. We know that the show is about age, melding together this idea of taking up space with growing up and being young people like we are. What has your experience been with taking up space as a young person? 
I think it's been challenging, especially, you know, earlier we were talking about the influences that we have, how we can bottle a lot of that negativity up Mm. and you carry it with you. If you haven't been able to unpack it, you haven't been able to unlearn it yet, you carry it with you. I think you have to challenge the way you think, even just entering a public space and being like, no, I am allowed to be here. I am as valuable as everyone else here. But that can take a bit of work. And yeah, it's trying to unlearn what's been taught can be really, really hard. And some days it makes you want to just stay home <laughs> and stay in your own little little bubble at home and feel like I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want to really do life right now. I think as a young person in navigating, taking up space, especially when you come from, if you grew up in the 2000s of heroin chic, when you're bigger than heroin chic, that's so challenging to know, okay, no, I do deserve to be here. Knowing that you are not a number, you are not a size, that you deserve to live your life like everybody else is really, really courageous. And for anyone who is like me, who does struggle with that sort of thing day to day of feeling like because you don't look like the standard that you should disappear, you should be invisible. I highly encourage you to take this journey with me and fight against that. The final question that I'll ask you that we can both ask ourselves is what would you say to a younger version of yourself to help her with this journey ahead? That she is beautiful and valuable and courageous as she is and that all she has to do is try. Try and stand up for yourself where you can. Try and be gracious in the way you talk to yourself And that there will be many wonderful, amazing people who will be drawn to your kindness. But you have to start with yourself. So that's a little bit about how I feel about it. But I would really love to hear what you would say to little Blair. I would say to her, it's okay that things feel hard. But believe yourself because how you really feel on the inside is that you care for yourself and you feel confident and you feel strong and you feel beautiful and don't listen to any outside influence that tells you otherwise. Do you think that the younger version of yourself would be proud of you now? I think so, yeah. And it brings a smile to my face to say that because I think she'd be proud of what I value and my kindness and very proud of the people that I have in my life and that I've surrounded myself with. Do you think the younger version of yourself would be proud? I would hope so. Maybe in not all the ways that she imagined, but in the ways that count. So, yeah, I think 
being able to speak to myself with any form of kindness, I think she would be very proud of because she wouldn't expect it. Out of all the normalcy of women being taught to talk to themselves like crap Mm. and how normalised that was our entire childhood and our entire teenagehood as well, Mm. it's only now that I've come into my adulthood that I think I've realised how important it is to speak to yourself with kindness and how powerful that is for other people to see. And that when you don't speak to yourself with kindness, people notice. And that also can be really powerful, but maybe not for the right reasons. So we're coming to the end of our discussion. But I thought it was important that we discuss some resources that we have both consumed in the past that have just been really helpful for our perspective and this continual unlearning, loving journey that we're both on. So have you got any recommendations? I do. Most of mine come from my happy little Instagram corner. Um, (laughs) My number one person that's had a really massive impact on the way I see my body and my self-esteem. Her name is Megan Jane Crabb. She is just the most wonderful person you could ever want to have on your feed. (laughs) She's a ray of sunshine, but she's also so real. Mm. And she... She was the first person I saw who really made a massive, massive difference. Wow. So I'm very glad that you also are love on that her. train. Absolutely love her. So absolutely highly suggest checking her out. Another one that I really love, her name is Ruby Rare. Mm-hmm. She is a a sex educator on Instagram, but she's also just all about body positivity and living life so, so radiantly and just so positive about living in your body and Mm. enjoying it. But if we move like away from Instagram, Mm -hmm. um, someone that I follow on YouTube, her name is Sierra Schultze. She's an American um, creator and she's been doing body positive content for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But even just recently, she's sort of evolved her branding from just her to the Schultzy Collective, where she has brought together a group of her wonderful friends and colleagues. And so you get these amazing videos about experiences in multiple kinds of bodies in multiple ways mm-hmm. and how they feel about it and how it impacts their day-to-day life. And yeah, it's I love that she has brought together these incredibly amazing, intelligent, powerful women together Mm -hmm. and given them a platform to all shine. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Uh, I love them and totally support them as well. (laughs) A few more, just anything that Rupi Kaur writes. I know I've mentioned her already (laughs) in episode zero, but just all of her poetry is just super accepting of how you feel in your body. Also, would highly recommend Jamila Jamil. And her yes, <laughs> and not only on Instagram but also her podcast called I Way. She actually interviews Megan Jane Crab, um, so I would recommend her and her podcast as well. Taryn Brumford, who was the Australian twenty twenty three Australian of the Year, she's wonderful. She's got a book called Embrace, and then she's made a film called Embrace as well. And she's just changed the game in terms of body outlook 
and body acceptance, but also body acceptance within the Australian community as well. So I'm sure there are many, many more and we will definitely, I can post more and I can put some more in the show notes if Lauren and I think of some more, but I think those are some really great solid recommendations to start off with, don't you think? Definitely. We've come to the end of our episode, Lauren. How do you feel? I am so sad it's ending. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Me too. But it's been so wonderful being able to have this conversation with you and I feel like there's so much that we, so many common experiences that we've shared that we didn't even realise we were sharing because we didn't even know each other at the time. So it's genuinely such an honour to be here and I'm so, so grateful I got to be here and have this conversation and be in this space with you. I just want to say thank you for being present in this moment with me today and we will definitely love to have you back on the podcast soon. Oh, that would be so wonderful. Bye. Bye. So that brings the end of episode two. I hope that you enjoyed it and felt as nurtured and as cared for as I did speaking with Lauren. We were both quite honest and vulnerable with our experiences, but we also had a lot of laughs and I hope you could hear the amount of joy and care we had for each other while speaking about something really important. I hope this episode can act as something that you can always come back to if you're having a hard day because the language that was used talking about our bodies and ourselves can be quite rare when accessing media and discourse. So if you ever need to come back and listen to our conversation again to just remind you of just how wonderful you are, please feel free. Don't forget to follow the podcast Instagram at Presently Pod or the Presently Podcast Facebook page. As always, please send the show an email at presentlypodcast.contact at gmail.com if you have any ideas for yourself or for someone you know for an episode. I'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to rate the show on Spotify, Amazon Music and Google Podcasts. Stay tuned because the show will be released on Apple Podcasts really soon. And as always, thanks for being really present in this moment with me today. I'd still like to thank myself for creating this show, as I think episodes like this one will hopefully act as a bit of a shining light in the world when things feel really hard. Stay tuned for the next episode dropping in a couple of weeks. I can't wait to be back in your ears then. But until then, stay present, stay safe. And I'll catch you next time. See ya.